Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Israel, out of the pain of their suffering under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh in Egypt, cried out to God to save them. These cries were heard, and God was moved in his compassion to rescue his people. Yet he tarried for eighty years before coming in to save them. Have you ever been forced to wait for God to answer your crying out to him? Why does God often make us wait? The surprising answer may be that God is really waiting for us. Stay with us today for another remarkable life study of the Bible with Witness Lee, furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Bob Danker is with us today as we look at God's calling of the prepared one. Bob, good to have you back. Very good to be back, Chris. Bob, we're going to see today that God was deeply motivated by the cries of his people, Israel, and he wanted to deliver them from the tyranny that they were under in Egypt, but he delayed taking action for a long period of time. I think we all can relate to having to wait for the Lord. Sometimes it seems like an eternity to us, but our God is very patient, isn't he? Yes, uh, Chris. As we read through the scriptures, we see that God is patient. He has a plan He has something that he wants to accomplish, and he has a way to accomplish it. But he has to wait until the right time and until he has the right person or persons to be his channel to work together with him. When he created the universe, there was no one to work together with him. (laughs) So he did everything by himself. But after he created man, uh, God wanted to accomplish his eternal purpose with man, and he needs man to work together with him. So in a very real sense, God limited himself to working with man. That means that man has to be prepared to work with God. To produce a man to be a channel to work together with God is not an easy thing, as we read through the Bible. Uh, The whole Bible is like a history of God working upon man and within man to prepare man to work together with him so that God can take another step in his move to accomplish his eternal plan. Well, our program today is God's calling of the prepared one. And of course, in Genesis, um, there's examples of God's calling. Certainly, God called Abraham, and uh, out of that call came the call for Isaac and Jacob and uh, the rest. But The book of Exodus goes into particular detail in a much more elaborate way on this matter of calling. And Moses, as we will see, is the real prototype. And so let's join Witness Lee for this first portion. Before Moses was born, the tyranny upon the children of Israel was there. And the children of Israel were crying to God. And God heard their cry for anyone that is able, that is fully qualified and ready to do something. For such a one to be patient is hard. 
Was God not able? He was able. Was God not sufficient? He was sufficient. Was God not ready? He was ready. Yet, he waited at least for 80 years. When Moses was born, the persecution of Egyptians upon the Israelites was there already. His mother did the best to hide him. Then 40 years went by. Moses got double education. The uh, Hebrew education and the uh, Egyptian education. He was qualified and he was ready and he was ready to do something. But God put him aside for another 40 years. This is our God. We all have to see God is patient. Don't you believe surely God wanted to come in? Even today, I still believe God is eager to do something. But all the time, the problem has been on our side. Even today, it's the same. Is there anyone prepared for God to come here to call? The Lord told us, even 19 centuries ago, Behold, I come quickly. Quickly. 2,000 years. Nothing happened. And then we would say, Lord, how slow it has been concerning your coming back. How long, Lord? When? The Lord would say, when you get ready. When I could see some or some ones are ready on this earth, then I'll come. I am coming. I'm eager to come, but there must be something for me to come to. Is there anything for the Lord to come to? You may say, Lord, look at the darkness. Yeah, darkness. The Lord says, I know. But where is Moses? Where is the one prepared to whom I can come? You need to listen to this word. Why the Lord delayed and still delays his coming? Because there's no one prepared. Bob, this is really intriguing. You mentioned in the introduction that um, prior to God's creation, uh, or even during the process of God's creation, he did everything on his own. Now man is on the scene. God needs to do something again. Surely he's fully capable, but he's waiting on the right person, isn't he? That's right, Chris. God is fully capable to do whatever he desires to do and whatever he's planned to do. He's got all the capacity to do everything, but God has chosen to limit himself to working with man. And because man is the object of God's working, God has a particular plan that involves man, and he needs man's cooperation with him in order to carry out this plan. God cannot do everything by himself uh, when it comes to his relationship with man. So here we have the example of Moses. Uh, When he was 40 years old, He had the knowledge of the Egyptians because he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he was raised by his own mother as a nanny. So no (laughs) doubt he was also trained in the knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures and the things related to the Jewish people. And he had a particular feeling for the Jews uh, because they were his brothers. Uh, 
Right. So in, we know the story, right? In one ca- in one situation, he he saw an Egyptian oppressing a Jew, and then he, perhaps he thought, "Oh, now is the time for me to do something." <laughs> so he was there, f- full of capability, full of his own ideas of what needed to be done, and he took action. But this was not God's way. So God, in a real sense, put him aside for another forty years. <laughs> so God cannot use people who are full of their own ideas about what he should do or should be done. And neither can he use people who are full of their own strength. And at the age of 40, Moses was not qualified to be used by God. He can use people who are no longer confident in their own ideas and no longer have any trust in their own strength. This kind of person will be one with God, will go along with God and let God take the lead and will depend on God rather than act independent from God. So you can see that to produce a person like a Moses when he was 80 years old, it takes a lot of time. Uh, it cannot be done in a short period of time. In Moses's case, it was a period of 80 years. Yeah, you know, you think of a 40-year-old. In Moses' case, he had, as we saw, this dual training, fully trained in the ways of the Egyptians and, and fully trained in the Hebrew history and tradition. And you envision a, a young man who's just finished all of his graduate degrees and maybe done an internship, and now he's ready to go. Uh, and this is just our natural uh, inclination and disposition. But this does not mean we're qualified and ready to cooperate with God for his move. That's exactly right, Chris. Uh, we see this very graphically in the case of Moses. So, Bob, in this next section, after Moses attempted to cooperate with God and have it result in a failure, God has a particular program in mind for him and sends him to a unique place, the backside of the desert, where he becomes just a simple shepherd. Here's Witness Lee. Read chapter 3, verse 1, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. After a certain day, you need to turn to the backside. Moses that day led the flock from the front side to the back side. He was bored of the old places. He liked to go to a new place. So he went a little far and he led the flock to the back side. In this calling of God to Moses, who came to whom? Did God come to Moses? Or did Moses go to God to receive God's calling? There is the need of a proper place. You may ask me, what is the backside? The backside means what? You are not contented with your present situation. Are you contented with your teaching? You may be a carpenter. Are you contented with your carpentry? Moses came to a spot where God was waiting for him. A storm bush was burning. The fire should consume the bush, but it didn't. That happened where? On the holy soil. What do you understand by reading this holy ground? God told Moses, put off your sandals because right now, under your feet, is the holy soil. It has never been touched by any human, only touched by God. You must turn to the backside where the mountain of God is and where the soil 
that has never been touched by any human hand. Only by God himself. Every genuine calling from the Lord does not come to his part that is interfered, touched by any human opinion. You must be called by God at a spot there's no human interference. Bob, uh, Exodus 3.1 says, Now Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God, to Horeb. This is really something. This trained, gifted, qualified, capable individual has to not only leave his comfortable place, leave his position of standing, he has a particular place where he's going to have an encounter with the very God of the Hebrews. That's right, Chris. And this is portrayed here in Exodus 3, verse 1, as the back of the desert, or the back of the wilderness. This has a very great significance uh, in our own experience. This is the place where God calls man. He never calls you on the front side of your situation. Maybe the front side is, uh, we could say, it's the place of our own choosing, where we would choose the best place for ourselves to be, for our profession, for our family life, whatever endeavor we're entering into. We, we always start at the front side. <laughs> but after a period of time, the front side proves to be unsatisfactory, and we become dissatisfied with where we are. And it's at that point that we are ready to have a new start with a real change. So Moses was pasturing his flock on the front side, and he began to realize he needed to seek new pasture, so he went to the back side. This is a a picture of our own situation. I remember when I was younger at 28 years old, I experienced something like this. I got to the back side of my situation. I was very dissatisfied with my own life, and especially my Christian life, and that was the time when I encountered God. I encountered him in a very particular way. I think if we look back on our own lives, we can see this is really the case. It was the case with Moses. So the backside is the place where you go when you're not satisfied with where you are. You're ready to have a new start, and you're seeking something more than what you have. This is the place where God is, because the backside was also called the mountain of God, which is the place where God is. So God was waiting for Moses to arrive at the backside. God did not come out to the front side to contact Moses because he realized that is not the right place. God waited for him on the backside, and it was in that place, in that situation, that Moses encountered God, and God appeared to him as a flame of fire in the burning bush. And God spoke to him and called him for that special mission and commission that God had for Moses. That seems in our experience, if we look back, um, almost always the case. We don't find God where we think we're going to. He has to bring us to some unique place that he has specifically engineered precisely for what we need to become a prepared, called one. That's right, Chris. Whenever we're satisfied with where we are, we're not in a position to be called by God. But we need to become dissatisfied at a time when we're not content and we're seeking something more. 
then the Lord can come in. Bob, as we uh, return to uh, our uh, journey with Moses on the backside, in this chapter, chapter 3, where he meets God in the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, and then, as you indicated, verse 2, he meets him in a very particular way as this flame of fire coming out of the thorn bush. This chapter is all about the calling and preparation of Moses. An interesting aspect is that God's name appears in many different forms and aspects. In other words, there are many names of God revealed in this chapter, all of which are significant, as we'll see, to the preparation of the called one. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In God's calling, the number one importance is to know God's name. Exodus chapter 3 may be considered a unique chapter that reveals the divine title to us. Here, you may say, the calling one, who was God, has at least six special titles. Chapter 3, verse 1, says, The angel of the Lord. John Nelson Darby, in his new translation, capitalized the angel here. Who was this? I tell you, this was Christ, the Son of God. Who was God's sent one? Only the Lord Jesus knows how to send others, how to call others to be the sent ones. When Moses was ready, was prepared, and God came to him as well as the angel of Jehovah. Well, what does Jehovah mean? This one is the one who was, who is, and who will be in the past, in the present, and in the future. He was, he is, he will be. Let us go on. God. In Hebrew, it's Elohim. Elohim means the one who is mighty and who is faithful in his oaths. Elohim means the faithful mighty one. If you are going to be called by the Lord, you have to realize he is mighty to do everything for you. And he is faithful to keep his word. The number four, the God of the Father. This means a history with God. God should not be a stranger to you. When God comes to call you, when you got saved, you begin with another genealogy. Paul says, I beget you with the gospel. You do have a spiritual father. Your spiritual father is the real father in the eyes of God. There is a history. When God came to Moses, calling him, he was with his family for generations. Eventually, we come to the most wonderful item. That is, I am that I am. What does this mean? The self-existing one and the ever-existing one. The one that comes into being by himself. That I am means what? Ever-existing. I am the self-existing God and I am the ever-existing God. This means he is everything. Our calling one is such a one. He is the I am that I am. It's marvelous. Then, the last one. Jehovah, 
the God of the Hebrews, the God of the river crossers, a people separated from the world. If you are going to be called by God, you must realize that God is the God of the river crossers, the God of the separated people. I can never be God to you, children of Israel in Egypt. I am not the God of the Egyptians. I'm the God of the Hebrews, the people that cross the river, going to a destination for my purpose. Well, Bob, this uh, final section today is just a wonderful, I'd say, kind of buffet of the divine titles of God revealed in chapter 3. I'll just set them out for you, and you can touch any or all of them, Bob. First, of course, is the angel of Jehovah, then Jehovah, then Elohim, then the God of our Father, and the I Am, and finally, the God of the Hebrews. Well, it is remarkable that Moses asked God, when I go to the people, whom should I say sent me? Right. It's certainly uh, understandable that Moses would want to know the name of God, the one who was sending him. And so in this chapter, we have six marvelous designations related to God, and all of them have a very particular meaning. Uh, I don't think we have time to comment on all of them, but this one, the Angel of Jehovah, is kind of a mysterious title in the Old Testament. Uh, the first time it is mentioned is in Genesis 16, when the angel of Jehovah found Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, in the wilderness. Mm. And when you read those verses in their context, you realize that the angel of Jehovah is just Jehovah himself. Right. And here in uh, Exodus chapter 3, we see the same thing. The angel of Jehovah is Jehovah himself. But in the Bible, an angel has a special connotation, and that is it indicates someone who is sent by God. So the angel of Jehovah here is one who was sent by God for a special commission and mission to contact Moses in this case. Well, in the New Testament, we realize the one who is the sent one is the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see the angel of Jehovah is, you could say, a picture of the Lord Jesus Right. And the angel of Jehovah being Jehovah himself means that the Lord Jesus is God himself. He was sent by God, and he is God. So anyway, it's a wonderful divine title, the angel of Jehovah. And then we have, as Witness Lee mentioned, Elohim, the mighty one and the faithful one. Wow. We need to know that the one who calls us is mighty, is able to perform everything that is needed on our behalf, and he's faithful to keep his word. Whatever he says... That is what he will do. Then another uh, wonderful title, as Witness Lee pointed out, is I am who I am. Right. This is basically the verb to be. This shows that the one who called Moses is the self-existing and ever-existing God. He is the only one who truly is. He is the unique one who has absolute existence. We are not but he is. And he is everything. In the New Testament, Jesus used this title he also, did. didn't he? He did. He said, in John chapter 8, he said, you need to believe that I am. Right. He said, <laughs> I am. So what is he? He's everything. He's the reality of all positive things, and he is everything that we, his called ones, need. 
Bob, I'd like to focus, if we could, on this last title in uh, the last verse of chapter 3. This is the instruction to Moses in speaking to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. You shall say to him, Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Jehovah. Particularly, the God of the Hebrews. Pick this title up. It's really marvelous, Chris. Of course, the word Hebrews comes from a word that means crossing over, one who crosses over, and implies that a Hebrew is one who crosses over from one realm into another. He may cross a river. Abraham was a Hebrew. Right. In fact, the word is first used in reference to Abraham. Mm. Abraham was called out of Chaldea, and he crossed the Euphrates, mm. and he was separated from that old realm from which he was called. So whenever God calls us, we need to know he will not be our God if we remain where we are. We need to make a crossing. We need to cross over the river from where we are to where God wants us to be, which is a place where we are separated absolutely unto him. Amen. Well, I think we'll end it there. And uh, thanks for joining us on this wonderful life study. These Exodus messages are just, I don't know, they're just incomparable, I think. They certainly are. That's all our time for today. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today. <laughs>